Welcome to The Downline, the official podcast for the Association of Diving Contractors International. With ADCI Executive Director Phil Newsom, Board Member Gary Jones, and Commercial Diver Armando Gonzalez. Join us as we dive into the latest news in the dive industry worldwide. Welcome to the downline, fellas. This is uh, Gary Jones from Broco, Phil Newsom, the executive director of the ADCI. We've got Armando of the Bottom Dwellers. And also today with us, we have Blair Mott from Kirby Morgan. And we are going to discuss equipment and maintenance today and how to make sure that you're getting authentic parts for your helmet from an authentic and authorized Kirby Morgan dealer. We're also going to discuss the basic methods to make sure that your personal helmet is taken care of because Kirby made sure that the diver himself can also ensure that his hat is fully certified and ready to go. So we're going to go through all that and we're going to talk about a little bit of liability things when you do that. And we're going to get into a little bit of discussions about what you should do, what you shouldn't do, where you can go, no matter where you're at in the world. So nice. I I love how Blair's face changed when he said we're going to talk a little bit about liability issues. (laughs) And well, and for the folks that are listening, um, Blair, not everybody may know who you are and what it is that you do for Kirby Morgan. I was once told uh, I should be able to describe it in two minutes, but um, I'll do my best here. I said just in short, started with uh, Kirby Morgan in 2012 as the dive training manager of the Kirby Morgan Pro Dive Center, which you've been over and uh, we've done some diving and training on. I worked there um, for about, uh, well, let's see, 2015, I was asked to come over to headquarters and work on special projects, uh, maintenance and manuals, the bulletins, and product development, and that's where I'm at right now. Excellent. Well, yeah, I remember uh, you took good care of me when I went up there to check out on the Mod 48, so I... Had Blair and the whole training center to, to myself. That was an awesome experience. Well, thanks for making the time. I always say the, uh, there's never any current in the water viz is pretty good. We got a 113,000 <laughs> nice. gallon tank. And, um, that's where I do most of the training for the police. And that. that's awesome. That's I, awesome. I was also, uh, a member when I first met Blair, I took the Kirby Morgan surface applied diving training that's class. right i totally remember and, that Mike that, Vaughn, was, that really? was yeah, yeah that was in the early stages that was a great time and we got gary he went through the whole uh course oh, yeah it was awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah it was it was yeah. a great time we actually uh had a nice time with the police down there which was cool yeah. because <laughs> you like public safety is a is something that we touch on a little bit mm-hmm. but the way that they dive for rescue is something that I think is admirable. But at the same time, getting them over on surface supplied from scuba is absolutely necessary. And, and that training allows that. And I think that if more public safety guys knew about the program, 
we could probably get more guys in there and trained up because when you have an incident that's underwater and it's immediate and they already have a kit ready to go, then they can just deploy it, they're trained, they're ready to go, and everything runs smooth. And and that's kind of the thing, because they're, they're there, they want to help, they want to get the job done as quickly, as fast as possible. But some of them rely on scuba a little more than, than other ones, and that's kind of what the program's for, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Bev had the idea also just, you know, anybody can buy a dive spread, and when you have somebody on the PD, on the force, that's trying to train the divers in a surface supply diver, but they're only scuba divers, that's where the the concept came. Is like, we need to have this and, and available for the forces. And it really is working out. It's been, we opened up in 2012 at the training center, and now we're really starting to see the departments come and, do that yearly check-in as well, not just taking the course and then going off, but they're coming back and forth. We have some that have been there four years in a row and the teams are, you know, cycling through when I get back, uh, what is it, Friday, Saturday? Um, come Monday, I got Riverside County Sheriff's doing, uh, doing a course there. Nice. And, that, and that's good to yeah. hear because, you know, in having some involvement on that level with the guard. I know we deal with agencies, whether they're state or municipal agencies all the time. And to hear that they're coming up there for that refresher is good to know because the reality is they don't. They're law enforcement officers first. The diving is a secondary calling for them. So they don't always get in the water very often. They have to have a, an actual mission, and then they have to have the dedicated time for mission training. And that's not always easy to coordinate that with LEOs um, and, and fire departments because they have, they have a primary mission of protect and serve. So yeah. it's good that they're getting that refresher and going up there. It's good to see the guys uh, again and again, too. It's, but there's turnover, as we know, in diving. There's turnover. So. I also imagine it's kind of hard when you're dealing with a military or public service to kind of have them flip that switch a little bit. Once they get on uh, these underwater jobs where they're, they have to recover a body or, or do some type of salvage, you got to flip that switch and you have to turn the diving first and the law enforcement second because you have to be able to get to the job site you have to be able to get to the work in order to do it um these guys are so used to rushing into the fire you know in the line of fire that uh you have to slow down a little bit to make sure that you're able to rush into the fire which means that your equipment has to be up to snuff your processes have to be tight and efficient and it's amazing to hear that you guys are doing that there at kirby morgan yeah that's yeah i'm glad you mentioned that armando because so site surveys before you just start throwing people into the water. Um, that is something that public safety divers have to consciously do because they are wired, like you said. Um, so for us as divers, that's second nature, site survey, what are the environmental conditions? But, you know, public safety officers, they, they've got to respond regardless of the conditions. It's waterborne. It involves more hazards. 
which means it involves you taking some time and being patient. Maybe you can't rush right in and save this individual. So, but unfortunately, in most instances, it's usually a recovery. So mm-hmm. whether it's evidence or uh, the unfortunate uh, person or persons, so. No, but I got to tell you, they're, they're really dialed in over there. I mean, we even went through some body frisking techniques in order to find things when you can't see underwater. Mask was taped off. We went over lift bags. We've done, I mean, and they're, they're using the, the top stuff. You, you got your subsound lift bags. You got everything that you need to get the job done on a, on a commercial side, but adapted so that these guys can quickly be able to do what they need to do safely get in get out and get everyone safe secure or recovered and that's that's kind of my experience with the program but the other thing that is great is that they know the equipment now and they know this is how it's supposed to work this is how it's supposed to be set up and this is the maintenance that's required it's, you know, that's a good point, Gary, because we've had some teams come in and said, well, well, what are you doing, taking the regulator cover off? We were told strictly not to do that. And I say, wait a second, kind of part of the post dive and, you know, bringing them up to speed on on stuff like this. So it, it's it's great to, to have this. Uh, well, that's a good segue into the maintenance of, of the helmets, uh, as a whole, whether it's public safety divers or commercial divers. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, for you as a manufacturer, um, you know, w- what are some of your biggest concerns or what are some of the things that you see are gaps in terms of, of helmet maintenance? I'm going to do my best on this, but I, I think I should start with the diver's perspective because that's what I was first. And then I just learned so much I mean, to be a very honest, it's like, God, I can't believe I survived all this years in the water because I learned so much at Kirby Morgan. And that gives me an insight on the diver's mind as well. I wasn't checking the websites. I didn't sign it. It was a different time. I get it. Now we're more digital. I think it's easier for a diver to find this information than when I was in the field. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know so much. And in a very short statement, I'll say this is what I've learned from the diver perspective and the manufacturer. There's helmets out there. It's 25 years old. And you can tell they've been repaired over the years a bit. But good to go. Jump anytime. Then you have the helmet that's only two months old. And I wouldn't get near it with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) And it's just that easy. Right. I didn't know, you know... Standard ops, and I remember my supervisor, we would, in the inland projects, we every night would be taking apart the comm units and wiping them down. And I'm thinking, what, what, we got a lot of drinking to do. What, what's going on here, you know? But every night we went through that helmet, and that was one of the first uh, 17Bs out of Santa Barbara, I can say that. And, uh, you know, it still to this day is in operation. Um and then you have the others that uh, just don't, you know, put it in the car and let it sit. And, and that's the problem. Post-dive maintenance is real important. But as my course is what I say is, yeah, well, washing it off and taking it apart is okay. 
It's the inspection. Let's say post-dive maintenance, rinsing it off. It's the inspection. So when you're taking apart stuff to clean it, that's when you should be looking at it and tagging it if there's any problems there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but how long should a helmet really last a guy? If they, I mean, you fork out some dough for a helmet. How long? Is it 20 years, 25 years? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Gary. And it just depends. It depends on how you're handling it. And we should also say what it's being used for. You mm-hmm. know, it depends sure. on how well you're taking care of it. If, you know, you're in harsh environments, um, you know, it's probably going to last less than it, well, than it yeah, would. Yeah. But overall, yeah, 25 years, 30 years. I mean, we've seen the, the some of the original helmets that are still going, but that's not a, um, you know, that's not the norm, I would say. Um, and it depends. There are certain company policies that are making in. I should take the time, too, to talk about this bulletin that we had about the 30-year lifespan. Yeah. Okay. okay. This yeah. is for fiberglass. And this is just a recommendation. We get still to this day calls about, well, I heard that it's 30 years and then it's kaput. That's going to be up to an authorized uh, technician. So you take it to one of our dealers that has authorized, full authorized, uh, technician, fiberglass, and they're going to make, be able to make the evaluation. We put out this bulletin because we were seeing guys trying to limp along fiberglass just over a period of time with that much damage. It's not recommended to go past that 30 year mark, but it's not a, it's not set in stone. It's not a line drawn. That's going to be up. You're going to have to have that reevaluated. But this also, the things that we were talking about earlier, that's also going to be dependent on dive supervisor, client. They can, they can say, they can override, um, you know, some of our recommendations on that, but they have to, um, interpret that bulletin correctly. It's not a do or die 30 years. And I've had that happen to me before on a job site to where uh, they didn't let me dive my hat. Mm-hmm. You know, I was pissed and angry, you know. Absolutely. Still still mad to this day because it, it was a great dive. But I had the suicide knob on there and they didn't oh, let me yeah. die with the suicide knob. It's like, I love that thing. Just one button, bam, you're good to go. And, you know. Did you use a pen? No, I did okay. not. Obviously <laughs> not. Right. I, I was just going to say, too, you know, for for me, I I look at it and I think, when these folks first come into the industry, even before they have the opportunity to purchase a mask or a helmet, the schools have this window where they can set the culture for how you treat this piece of life-saving equipment. And I don't think that that's stressed quite as much as it should be. And I'm just speaking from firsthand experience, going to the schools, performing audits, and looking at, say, that lightweight intro portion where you introduce them to the equipment that they'll be using in the water, primarily the helmet and bailout. And And I never felt that they took it to the level that they needed to. And I would also say the same about contractors. I think that they can do a better job of stressing the importance of helmet maintenance. And part of the problem is everybody is like, we got to get to work. We got to do this. There's so many other things, boxes to check when you start looking at different types of operations. 
and also just getting through the curriculum and, and teaching the students. So I'm not bashing on them. I'm just saying maybe there just needs to be more of a conscious effort. And as we start to look to rebuild the ANSI standard, there could very well be from the drafting committee um, some more language that there be a greater focus on helmet maintenance and the introduction of life-saving equipment to the students. So, yeah, yeah, I like, I like that, you know, and started from the beginning rather than exactly. at the tail end exactly. when I'm about ready to graduate. <laughs> right, not when you're out in the field and you're, you know, you you think that there are more important things to focus on. So, now, do Kirby Morgan parts fit on a super right? Um, <laughs> right, or like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. That's a whole other nut roll that uh, you know. Um, we've, I mean, we're turn, trying to do our best on on some of these uh, things. I, I don't know if they fit or not. Um, I, I to speak on that, I've we've we've looked at uh, you know counterfeit stuff, and I've dove stuff, and we've done this. Um, Quality control, assembly, there's all kinds of issues that I would, uh, you know, I don't, I've never asked anybody for a discount on my tattoo, let's say that. So I'm not looking for a discount on my helmet either. Well, and I would say, you know, it's on one hand, it's probably the greatest compliment in the world that you've got folks out there, you know, wanting to <laughs> create something modeled after what you've done. You know, with regardless of what part of the world it, it it's being done at. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we're we're looking at some real safety issues where some of these knockoffs actually you wouldn't dive beyond a hundred feet or one sixty five. Um, and and, and I will say this, it's not even the the depth, but it's the RMV or the breathing cycle. Mm. And that's where I experienced, I did some testing on some stuff and the regulator just stopped at one point. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, I got it back up and going, but this was in the shallows, but it was high breathing volumes and, and doing some testing on that. So, yeah, I wouldn't, you know. No, for, from a manufacturer standpoint with Broco. Right. Right. Like, right. I just saw the we, stuff with this. Yeah. We've been dealing with this for years everywhere in the world, just like I'm sure you guys have. But for us, it's a lot easier to make a cutting rod look like a Broco rod than probably a dive helmet. Now they're getting good with the helmets, right? They're getting good with the rods too. And so for us, um, we're actually thinking about serializing the mm -hmm. rods because we've had flashback issues that are blamed on Broco. Right. But it might not be a Broco rod. I've had people try to buy boxes or manufacture boxes and put rods from other countries in the boxes. Oh. And then they burn with it. I get the blame. But none of the payment for right, <laughs> none of that, right. right? So, so then it's I, like you know we have we do all the industry a certain standard of safety, and as a manufacturer, so okay, look, we want the guys to be safe, so we tell them you buy from an authorized dealer, you check the website, you can see who the dealers are, and that's going to guarantee that you're going to get a Broco product. The problem is that this, the gray market here 
is where people get kind of confused because if you're in another country, right, and you're looking to dive and you're like, I got to get the stuff that I know, right, and it looks kind of close and they're not checking the website, they're not looking, they're like, dude, I'm here, I'm in the middle of nowhere, I got to dive, I got to get my stuff going. This guy over here told me he's going to supply everything, so I'm going to trust him. And there could be a previous relationship or whatever. But if you don't buy from an authorized manufacturer, you really cannot guarantee that you're going to get the quality product that you're paying for. That's well said. That's, that's, you know, the way I see it is being uh, conscious of that. There is the, the snafu of being out in the middle of nowhere, but hopefully your prep was. It's always better to bring your stuff in than it is to procure stuff. But let's keep it real. This is diving. They needed it yesterday. Yeah. They ordered it today. Right. And they're, they're on site and they're like, Oh, I ran out of this or I need this or I need these spares. I need that. And they won't, for both of us, there's a life support requirement there that we're all making sure the diver is safe. Right. The main key. But then you get something counterfeit in there. Like I've gotten collets that have been manufactured the wrong way. I think you way. guys had a write-up on that or something. I was yeah. pretty surprised, but I guess people are pinching. I've I mean, had dudes go down the pennies at that's, this point. That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah. I don't know. No. Maybe, maybe just the misinformation like you're saying. They didn't know. But overall, it seems that there's a conscious effort to get it cheaper. Yep. Yeah, squeezing dollars I mean, out of a with penny. Rod, Jesus, I, no, I, I've had away. people go through my entire distributor list with counterfeit parts that fit in the Broco products. I recently had an Egypt issue where a guy selling the rods for fifty dollars a box, calling it Broco, using our pictures, using everything. Right? <clears throat> I told him. You need to knock it off, call it whatever you want to call it. Just don't call it Broco, right? Yeah. And it's not. And until I talked to that guy and got a translator to tell him that this is a dive safety issue and you're affecting lives. And I really was able to communicate with that guy because at first he started off, well, who are you to tell me to stop? And I was like, well, now I'm going to show up in Egypt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, But then when he realized like, oh, I'm not just making a buck here. There's actually lives attached to this thing. He turned around and took our name off of it and said, look, I'm going to sell what I have under a different name. But you know what? I see where you're coming from. I won't say Broco for anything. And and oh. and it was one of the first times I've ever been able to reach across wow. to someone and try to explain it instead of being like, hey, I'm going to yeah. drop the hammer on you, right? And, and like, because I was like, why are you doing this? Because if you're selling for 50 bucks, bucks a box, I, I got to buy them from you at this point, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, look, look, dude, it's obviously it's an inferior product. You don't want to hurt people. Wow, that's a great, uh, right? great story. Good, good job on that. I mean, that's uh, turning that around. That's excellent. It was, it's the first time it's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that had a lot to do with the translator that I, I picked up on. But I knew someone that spoke the language and was able to connect with them and make it happen. 
Okay. Uh, normally, that's not how it goes. Normally, it's, hey, you have to stop yeah. what you're doing right now. But as the inflation goes up and people are trying to save a dollar, I was just really trying to understand, like, do you really know the implications of what you're doing here? And if something happens to that guy, do you really care? Or are you just going to pretend like, oh, shit, I didn't see it, right? Like, and at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And he he actually cared because That's he was nice. like, you know what? Right this is like, this is affecting people. That's got to be rare. But that's the one guy that stopped. And yeah. for every one guy, you got 10 other guys that don't give, they don't care, right? So, so we have to protect our products as a manufacturer. Kirby, I'm sure you have to do the same thing. And when we got to drop the hammer on you, that's what it is. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, we're doing it to ensure the safety of more guys. Right? I'm not doing heard, it to be mean yeah. and hurt someone's, take the food out of them. I'm not doing that. I'm doing it to make sure that the guys that we care about are taken care of. I've heard stories of guys going to different conventions and shows with cameras taking pictures or pretty much doing 3D modeling on your equipment <laughs> yeah. at these shows on the floor. Have you seen that firsthand? I, I have not. I have not. But I know, um, you know, in, in short, you, know, you can buy any of the products and go for the technology. It's, yeah, I've never, never seen anything um, like that. It's just that. so funny yeah. seeing the cameras and they're zooming up close, but not asking any questions, just yep. <laughs> doing all yeah. the, oh, yeah. you know. Well, I would say one of the things, you know, that we had to do in response to that is you don't know who's walking that floor that is from a three-letter agency to help try and curb some of that um, technology poaching, so to speak. And so even here with at Workboat and, mm -hmm. and at Underwater Intervention, we have folks that are on that floor that are wearing show badges for companies that don't necessarily exist, um, but that it's what we have to do to ensure that we don't run into problems like you just described, Gary, and what mm -hmm. I know you've had to deal with. And I want to ask yeah. you about that, Blair. Like... How many parts of, I'm aware of specific parts of the world where they have made a conscious effort to go ahead and create the faux super lights. Um, and I have no problem whatsoever calling them out. So I know China, it's been a real problem. Uh, and I believe in Russia, it's also been a problem as well. Is there, are those primarily the two Areas? Correct. They, they are. They are. Those are the two areas that we're seeing, you know, full on reproductions, um, spares. The band mask was, uh, you know, was real popular in China. And that has, we've seen some complete reproduction, uh, you know, counterfeits there. And it's very, <clears throat> very dangerous for the unknowing. Diver, I couldn't imagine somebody knowingly purchasing this because it's cheaper, but it does happen. I'm guessing, um, and those are the two areas that yes. Did you, so, get, did you get anything out of India? We get uh, every time. I'm just like Broco, B R O K O. Like oh Jesus, <laughs> B R O K O. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure there is, and there's other regions that are doing other things, but those are the two where we're seeing the, the full replication. And then, um, of, of course, you probably also have to deal with, you know, obviously there's so many components and parts that not just the, the helmet itself, but a lot of those smaller soft parts and, and components that come with it as well. So I, I don't know how you, you deal with that. That's got to be a tremendous challenge to kind of get that out there. And here in this country, you know, you have authorized dealers. So folks are going to typically, if they're going to purchase a new helmet or mask, they're, they're going to go to an authorized dealer with a where to me the gap might be is if somebody wants to buy a helmet secondhand off of somebody that isn't an authorized dealer, but they're not diving anymore. They, they, they want to sell it and you don't know exactly what it is that you're getting unless you have a trained eye and, and, and the, we get a lot of inquiries and they're mostly pretty good on when they're buying the secondhand contacting us. Asking, here's the serial number. Can you run it down for us? And that's good. So we, in, in short, can say, yeah, it was sold on this state to this person or this company. But that's about, you know, there's things that could right. have happened in before. And Gary hit on it as well. I mean, really, in the end, it's like you got to deal with an authorized dealer. And that's, you know takes it on to the dealer and they ensure that their products are not only, you know, received properly from the manufacturer, but they do typically an, a, another inspection on it. And they make sure that, you know, our guys out in the field and girls out in the field are using the right stuff. So what do you do if you get a guy that's out there and he's like, hey, I got this helmet, it's a serial number, and you find out it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's never been made, yeah. they. I mean, we recommend that they, uh, one, it's condemned. You know, you don't want to have that get into that um, secondhand market. And that's really the recommendation. We can't, you know, from from there, it's just to don't yeah. use it. You Pretty much out a couple where. grand. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. And, and it, I wanted to kind of touch upon something we talked about a little earlier. And that's this recommended versus required for um, the annual internal and externals. And... You know, I, I mentioned that during the course of our audit initiative, we got a lot of pushback from folks that said, you know, Kirby Morgan does not require a certified helmet technician to be able to perform those annual internal and external, uh, you know, in, inspections. And, for for us, that was a real gray area, and and it caused a lot of problems. So you had some folks that would third party out all of it to certified technicians, current certified technicians. Then you had some folks that had certified current certified technicians on staff to be able to work right. on the company helmets, and then you have some folks that say that's not a requirement, and we should be able to do use these checklists and perform that annual internal and external inspection ourselves. And so we talked a little bit about that because that's that kind of forced us as an association to say, well, you know what? 
No, everyone has to have their hat, their annual internal and externals done by a current certified technician. Um, we're not we're not saying it has to be third partied out, mm-hmm. but it has to be a current certified technician, and it's now a requirement for us. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on that as the manufacturer? One one of the things um, for anybody that's not tracking this out there. Phil's talking about an annual overhaul on the helmet. We have a checklist that goes through. Um, it's found on our website. I should say the guys that are taking care of our website, um, amazing. It's updated constantly since 2014. We haven't printed out a manual. So, you know, and I'm coming from the old school. I kind of bucked it in the beginning, but now it's it's clear as day, updated. There's no way we could update it um, accurately and currently. It's just nonstop. Remember to, (laughs) as the IT guys, remember to hit the refresh button too, because you'll see the old site. So uh, under our support tab has this checklist. And this is what's used for a certified technician or non-certified technician to work on their helmet and repair it um, and go through this recommended annual overhaul. Uh, Might be uh, earlier if your post-dive and pre-dive dictates this or your monthly. So you got all these checklists on there. And in the end, it's it's similar, I think, just to keep it short, it's similar to when I get um, inquiries on, can you write a letter that says, we can only use this helmet or we can't use this helmet? It's That's up to the supervisor, and that's also up to the client. Nope. So when we're looking at these these technicians, it depends on, you know, it is a Kirby Morgan um, you know, um, idea or is the Bev really wanted to make sure that we can, uh, allow our customers to take apart their helmets and put them back together. I mean, our manuals are great. I, I look at, you know, my boat or my car or anything like this. Um, I wish I had a boat. I'm using it as a reference <laughs> if anybody's looking for a ride there. Um, but I can't take it apart looking at the manual. But a Kirby Morgan manual, you can take about every single component and put it back together. Do you need to be certified? No, because we're providing that information to you. But when it comes down, it's highly recommended that you get the training because some of us will grab a wrench and put on the wrong side or this and that. You receive that in the technician training. And again, the sign-off will be really up to the supervisor and the company that you're working for. I hope that clears it up. Yeah, it does. And and I fully understand where, you know, when Bev originally came up with that concept, he's saying, look, this is, somebody purchases their hat, they should have the ability to be able to work on their hat. But I also don't think that when he came up with that concept, did he realize that we would have such extreme examples of individuals that don't do anything to their hat over a course of months and years? And now, you know, with certain fatalities that have occurred because of helmets that weren't maintained properly or didn't follow the checklist in terms of uh, what the manufacturer recommends for any modifications or aftermarket, if you don't do that, 
And I'm, and I have to assume that that did not run through Bebson. Now companies and clients and users are exposed. These are their operations. They're, these are their projects. And they have to bear all of the responsibility if there's any type of catastrophic failure with any piece of life support equipment. So that was kind of our rationale for really sort of taking that gray out and then making it a requirement um, to, to pull in those individuals that may not give their helmets the attention that they need. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, when you make a product and you make certain requirements to maintain that product, if it those aren't met, the first thing that we always get is we're going to blame the product, blame the manufacturer. It's either a design thing or you messed this up. And we're like, well, did you read the manual? And it was like, <laughs> no, I didn't. I saw the pictures, right? <laughs> it looked good. I haven't touched in 20 years. It's been working great. And it's like, well, thank you, because we made a great product that's been working for 20 years and didn't have any issues. But now it's my fault. Right. Like that, that you, your torch doesn't work. Right. Like, <laughs> because you didn't touch it in yeah, 20 years. Yeah. Because yeah, you haven't touched it. Right. And so, I mean, you know, there, it is, a, there is a, a certain responsibility that individuals have to make sure that their equipment is safe. And so I was, you know, I was really trying to ask, um, is there a place that the guys can get updates or register to get updates from Kirby Morgan? And also, how often should they check the website? Because you say if you just click the refresh button, something will change. So how often should a guy actually go through and look for bulletins or updates from Kirby Morgan? Is it every yeah. six months? or how, how That's a good, good, good question. One, there's a place to sign up for the newsletter. So then you get pinged whenever we send out a bulletin or maintenance, anything like that. Um, and that's the best way to know the updates. You got to, I think everybody needs to take a lot of time on that website to understand it and understand how to navigate it. So you go to the manuals, you pick the product that you're looking at or working on. There's a change log so you can see if there has been any change on the side block module. It's all in modules, right? So you have the regulator, you're able to navigate through that. Um, and then anytime you're working on the helmet, that's a good time to look at the blow apart and hit refresh <laughs> or anything like that. Because a lot of guys will say, well, I have this manual in front of me and on page, whoa, well, I'm, if it's printed out, I mean, we do have page numbers on, in the electronically, but, um, you know, you're obviously using an older, older manual and there might be some changes. Um, that just don't apply. So anytime you're working on the hand, uh, the helmets, it's a good idea to hit refresh and then go through the, the modules and have the current blow apart in front of you. And as I will say this, I'm very impressed, even though I've worked there, but I'm very impressed on how Kirby Morgan makes it a priority that we can be reached. I get the calls on the phone and all the whole team is, uh, available to talk or, and respond electronically as well. So that's always a, a go as well. You come up to something and it's like, whoa, hang on a second. Just call us, email us, we'll respond. 
Um, and that's it. And just go through that website, find out that support tab and just really find out it's got the bulletins under there, the checklists, and then the manuals as well. So there's a lot going there. Any cool new products that you guys are planning on coming out? I, I know the the EXO, the uh, Mod 1, you're pushing that a little bit, right? Yeah, the Surface Applied Mod 1 is uh, is would be our latest. Before that was the KM Diamond uh, return line helmet. The Surface Applied Mod 1 is based off of our modular full face mask uh, system, but we have a bolt-on pod and it's brought it up uh, higher to another commercial level, if you will, side block and everything that we're all used to having on our helmets. And, you know, there's an idea of what customer is going to be best suited for this. And by far and away, uh, shipboard husbandry mm-hmm. teams are loving this. We've got nice. guys that are, it's the freedom, the breathing, and the dryness. And, um, yeah. Was that designed as a replacement for the band mask? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because everyone's like Total the replacement for the EXL, you know. Okay. But um, and I always say, well, there's not a replacement for anything. I didn't, you know, it's always an evolution or advancement of it. Uh, I'm probably going to step out of on the record. I should say. <laughs> what is the yeah, answer? on the record. But I have yeah. been asking, hey, anybody that's using a band mask. Why wouldn't you use the surface supplied mod one? Well, there you go. What, what is the, what is, you know, the reason why I'd rather use and so it's okay. The team setting, the hood and the face seal is kind of the thing. The protect, the head protector, which we're coming out, um, will be probably next year. There's a couple down at the booth to see in comparison to the band mask. So yeah, that, it's interesting that you mentioned that because nobody has said that. They always reference it to the EXO, but I'm on I'm on that side. I was That's like, the first thing I thought of when, when that I saw right? it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, it would be, be nice to have an update because uh, it's just a it, the freedom of it, the feeling. Um, you can see my face, you know, in a team setting. It's like, well, you got to tighten it down extra hard because everyone else has been using. You know, we have the molded face, so we got other options, but. Um, I really like the way that this mask is fitting me nice. and, and operating. And so far, so good. Well, hopefully you can send one over and we can do a product test. So yeah, we we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to R&D. <laughs> T&E, will T&E anything that you used to do? Uh, so, and kind of to dovetail on what Armando asked, I, you know, I, I know if you go through the helmet technicians course, because the product line has become as wide as it is, what, what are we looking at in terms of the number of helmets that are currently available for purchase? Um, that, Kirby and that's a, that's a great question. And I, I want to kind of say what I use in the course because it was the same when I got to Kirby Morgan. I was like, whoa. I'm only used to the 17B and the the band mask and look at all these helmets and where have I been in my life? I didn't know they had so many, but it's real clear and it's easy for new students, older students and to, to address this question. We got two shells, stainless steel and fiberglass, and then we have a couple regulators. And that's really how I want everybody to look at it. We have guys in different regions of the world that could only, they would identify the helmet by what's on the handle. And that's a no-no because our stuff is modular. You can take off the, 
one regulator and put another regulator and it changes the mod, the model. Um, for example. So right now, currently, you know, we have the Rex is still out there, but it's really the Superflow 350 and the 455. Those are the two regulators. And then you have stainless steel or fiberglass. So that's kind of how we would look at all the models versus like, well, how many do you got out there? There's such a big range in this. And that works well for our technician course as well, because Side blocks are all the same. There's a stainless steel and there's a, a brass. So say this, but we'll probably see, you know, more stainless steel in the future um, for that. And, um, you know, then there's regs. The swing catches are pretty much the same, you know. So it's easy to group in our, our training by just looking at the, the um, basics or the foundations of it. Shells and regulators. Yeah, but no. is there... Is there a certain helmet for a certain application, and how do you pick that? That's a great, I love that because I hope all the dealers out there are listening. It's not just what the diver asks for. Talk to them. Find out what they're doing and find out what they're working and what their team size and all that because there are different uh, different. Models for different jobs, for sure. Well, you touched on it. I mean, it's got to be kind of fit for purpose. So, you know, obviously, if it's Dirty Harry or if it's Reclaim Systems, I mean, they all have their specific purpose, you know, whether it's SAT, whether it's contaminated water diving. Absolutely. I mean, you guys, and and kind of further to that, you you also build equipment specific for the military or for Hollywood productions. I'm, t- t- there, t- touch there, upon that, because I don't think there, that that's known by... We, we do, we do uh, work on that. I do want to say, I feel like I didn't, you know, I did say shells and regulators and that, but we do have, still have the band masks and the soft masks. There are full face masks that we make as well. But those are the basic things. Yes, we do. Um, you know, in the past, we've we've been involved in some great uh, movie productions, like The Abyss and The Sphere, Journey to the Center of the Earth, where we've been contacted and worked on that um, as well. And then we do uh, support military efforts for sure in some of their um, you know, quest to get the specialty items um, to a degree, you know, but we try to kind of stick in our lane and, and build our gear and then allow them to adapt it for their, their specialties as well. I gotta say, I was invited, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was invited to the secret room because Connie and Karen took care of me and they said, okay, we're gonna let you in here. And I got to see the amount of helmets that went from production in the movies and everything. I got to wear the same helmet that The Rock wore in what nice. movie uh, Right that? on, that's Journey yeah. of the Center Journey. of the Earth. Yeah. And, and it's like, dude, I know this is this is totally awesome. It's never going to happen again. <laughs> I, saw, I was trying on helmets and checking it out. I'm just like, dude, I know Trent was like designing some stuff. I know, like He's and, the one who's, yeah. And, really and like... Everyone at Kirby Morgan is so involved and they're so about making sure the guys are safe, but they love what they do. And it's like, as divers, right? It's like, everyone's doing this for more than just a paycheck, obviously, right? And so because of that, that same 
mentality goes into making sure that these products are coming out the best possible for the guy that's actually in the helmet. And when you see it on TV and I'm like, I watch, you know, watching TV, I'm like, oh, dude, that's the rock. Oh, sh- I know that helmet. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> you know, and so um it's cool that it's like you guys touch on every aspect of of what you need to do to be safe underwater on a surface dive system. It's- Thank you. Thank you for recognizing also the enrichment. That, that the correlation to a diver is absolutely right because there's people that are long time in the industry and short time. And the ones that are long time is because they love it. They do love it. We're not, it's not as best um environment so to speak and wet and cold and all this but the enrichment at kirby morgan absolutely this comes from the morgans and they have done everyone really enjoys their job i mean we have employee number one still here on the floor and i I always say 50 years he's been there but he corrects me and i think it's yeah it's pete Pete. (laughs) i'm sure it's like 40 and you know a long, lot of decade employees, multiple decades. And again, just thank you to Morgan Say They're supportive and they care about their people and they take really good care of us as well. So they care about the divers too. Right? That's, 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 you know the what? Key, that's right? another thing. When we get approached sometimes, it says, Hey, we could, we want this in the show or we're going to do something. It would be really good advertisement. That's the last thing we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And I've been told from the very beginning when I started there, we're not chess beaters. Look at me. Look at that. We just want to make sure that you know there's options out there. You can get this one. Ours only comes in this color. There's other ones out there you can get in blue. I always say the people at Kirby Morgan will know exactly what I'm talking about on that. Um, but just so you know the options, like fins, you know, you know what I'm talking about too. Just to know there's options. I'm not going to tell you which one's the best unless I've dove it and I have my own opinion on it. And to think that, you know, where we stand in the industry and that's what our marching orders is, is just, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's options are there and the safety of the diver. Pretty cool. It is. Pretty cool stuff. It's the, the depth of position. I mean, I, I talked to Ralph and it's like, I, was he purchasing? Yeah, like, he's a controller. He's yeah. controller. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's like, he knows just as much as the other guys picking up the phone. So yeah. no matter who you talk to from the company, that knowledge is transferred. And it's just like, you know, I hope that someone would say the same thing about Broco when they call, because it's one of those things that like, it's hard to make sure that it happens, but when it happens, because everyone cares and the synergy's there, no matter what, you know the customers are taken care of and everyone's, we got the same message and we're delivering it as safely as possible. No matter if you get the receptionist or you get the guy that's in charge of purchase orders, right? Like they know the basics, like, hey, this is, I can get you to what you need and I can get you to the right person at the right time. I will say this. Everybody at Kirby Morgan from the top to the bottom knows the number one rule. Don't hold your breath underwater. <laughs> I watched around. It's not party. It's sort of like. and, and we really didn't even touch upon Dive Lab and right. the, the right. R&D leg for, for Kirby Morgan. Um, I, I think everybody's familiar with Dive Lab, but the kind of the whole genesis and everything and, and what Dive Lab does for Kirby Morgan. I know we didn't really touch upon that. Um, 
But did you? Is there anything that you wanted I to? Just can't thank enough uh, for our work with them. What they do, they're an integral part of Kirby Morgan, and it's just a, a great relationship. And the team down there is very supportive of us and the community. I mean. You guys have all had your, you know, time down there. Um, excellent. I mean, the training, the testing. I'm down there minimum of once a year doing testing uh, with Mike Ward. Yeah, that's and the, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Mike is phenomenal. <laughs> and, and Rocky as well. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. I, it's Rocky and Mikey Junior. Yeah, yeah. down there, down there is they're tearing like it up. A master. They are. I, it, you know, to that to that, that point, we've. We are now going to require our auditors to have to go through the helmet and uh, mask course, technicians course, to be so that they have an educated, trained eye to be able to look at equipment that we're asking them to audit mm-hmm. um, and not just be a lay person, but at least have a greater understanding in terms of the components, how they operate how they should be put together and uh yeah excellent Uh, excellent well i do want to ask you if you there was one thing you wanted folks to know out in the field with respect to helmet maintenance what would that be what is just a universal thing that they need to know with respect to maintenance of your helmets and masks? That's a great question. I'm like a bit scratching my head, but I, I do, I would say it's on the inspection and it's the pre, when I hear about certain things in the field, so, well, that would have been caught in the pre-dive. What is your pre-dive? Is it from our list or is it a company list? So it's it's that, and the post dive is very very important. But it's probably that pre dive. You know, did you make sure that it included everything? Because this wouldn't have happened underwater if you did a pre dive. So I would say the pre dive is the uh, is something that you want to follow. Use ours, or use that to create your own. But it should include. What we have, what the manufacturer has in itself. Yeah, we, uh, we so. as an association have really gone ahead and reinforced the fact that if the manufacturer has put out a checklist, use that checklist. Yeah. And, and, uh, but we do accept mm-hmm. company created checklists so long as it's wholly based upon <laughs> the Kirby Morgan checklist. I mean, yep. but yeah, it would be so much easier just to utilize the checklist. And through this whole audit initiative that we went through, we realized that, yeah, just just use the checklist mm. from Kirby Morgan. That, that is straightforward, but I do want to say you could have a little icon at the end that says KMDSI, and then if it's a sheriff's department or something, you could have their logo on the you know on each little blind mm-hmm. box. So it would make the auditor's job a little easier because yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can always go above and beyond. Yes, yes. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I always wondered. Well, if there was one thing, what is it? The pre-dive check. Yeah. So, okay. I've oh, caught so much it. stuff during a pre-dive. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, it know. makes complete sense. Nice. It's good hearing that from the field as well, because that's just when I hear certain things, it's like, how could you have done a pre-dive? 
and this happened. Yes. Um, and I know we're getting close on it. I'm going to run myself over the coals if I don't get to say this. Um, the downline also, you got to mention bottom dwellers and everything. Amazing. I've enjoyed every podcast that you guys have put on and the people that have been on and donated their time. You guys are mainstay. So I always love hearing you guys introducing the, but the guests, they put their time in informative, interesting, and very well spoken. So I'm so, you know, I just got to thank you guys. It's a cool, you did great. Cool yeah, this was an amazing you. episode. Yeah. All right. We're, pat, we're patting ourselves on the shoulders. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> uh, but before we do close out anything, I did want to make sure that we did plug the Santa Barbara dive monument that you guys have over there. And can you, Tell me a little bit about that because I know absolutely Leslie did some work um, with that, right? It's it, it's a it's going to be a great um, great part of Santa Barbara. You know, when I when growing up there and and being a diver, it was you had everything: oil, education, photography. I mean, it was just a mecca. And then you realize you got all the you know innovators in there. So well, yeah, this, Pez, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean that's it, and and you're gonna have this amazing monument right down in the harbor where you know, especially with the locals, we have a you know, it's a special place for us, and the artist and the group that um, you know has really put it put it together, um, doing an amazing job, uh, doing an amazing job. Come downstairs or, or I'll look at the booth, Santa Barbara monument. Yeah. So the deep diver <laughs> or, yeah. You. So it's right next to, uh, you know, obviously HDS and the deep diver monument and then our, our booth. But I would, I would say, you know, being on that committee on the deep diver monument committee, um, Kirby Morgan's contribution, to that in terms of, and I'm not talking about the financial support, although that is important, but in addition to the financial support is the logistics and the stuff that Mike's done and Connie's done in support of that monument has just been without question. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah it's been huge. And, and you know, if we're going to touch upon that, I would also say Aqueous and Ted Roach. Absolutely. They, yeah. And then a whole host of anonymous Donors out of the Southern California area, not just Santa Barbara, but this is a collective effort. But it really did all start that genesis between HDS and Kirby Morgan to get us to where we are today. So thank you for that. But if I wanted to purchase one of those, oh, you, how do I get my hands on one? Well, we're selling them here at the show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You don't outside of California, there's no taxes. So if you're here, now's the time to buy it. There you but, go. But, I did hear that. But I yeah. do have to push it through a purchasing person. And so for me, if I wanted to put one on my desk, what, what does that look like? Do I just... Uh, who do I call? Where do I go? You, you're going to have to uh, get to the... David Heritage, you know what? And I so you I'm, can go. You can go to HDS. There you or go. Or you can go <laughs> to the Deep Diver Monument booth, and they have all of the QR codes there. And boom, it is such a seamless process. There are ten of them. I, I think there's less than ten now because they did sell some yesterday. But there are ten of them, and yeah, one of them has your name on it if you want to. 
And yeah, by the time I, you hear it, this, it's already too late. Yeah. <laughs> Show's over. I, I know that as soon as I get back, they're going to balance my bar tab against everything, <laughs> and then we're going to figure out how to get one. But I, I'll, I'll get there. Excellent. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be nice in the front office for sure. Yeah. All right. You want to close us out? Yeah. You know what? I really appreciate you coming out, Blair. Thank you for giving us the perspective from, from Kirby and, and giving the guys that are listening the real information straight from the mouth of the manufacturer so that they can be safe and they can get everything they need to do and, and be assured no matter where they are in the world that, that they are going to dive safe and have a good life support breathing system. And, uh, and if anyone has any last comments, it's please. also good to know that Kirby Morgan is not an evil empire trying to steal divers money. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or the diver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I will say I, you are one of the coolest people yeah. I know. Wow. Thank you, guys. Nah, for real. <laughs> thank I, for you. Real. Very appreciate it. No, it's always been love from Kirby Morgan, yep. no matter what, dude. I've, I've, I mean, even when I was starting out and didn't know anything, it was always like, hey, they, call Kirby, figure out. Figure this out because this is what you're going to be dealing with on a day to day basis. And then call up and then, oh, yeah, this is everyone's more than welcome to help and get you the knowledge that you need. So, you know, a lot of places you call when you're new, they're not like, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out. Right. You know, like you guys are just like, yeah, this is the information. Let's get it done. And that's, that's why I'm like, you know what? This is, they're solid. Part of the DNA of it's the company. Part, it's so, California, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now you just lost a ton of listeners. Oh, the whole yeah, gulf oh, is yeah, going to yeah, cut yeah. us up. Nah, nah, yeah, nah. but not, not, not here at this table, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, bro. Oh. Well, this is a downline Santa Barbara edition. Right. <laughs> right. You know, there is that golf. You know, thing like, where did diving <laughs> start? Well, right, we're not going to go there. We'll go there. I, I, think, I think we've gone down that rabbit hole more than a couple of times in, yeah, with episodes. Good. But it's been great. Guys. Hey, we'll thank you. in the water. Yeah, yeah. Blair, thanks so much, man. And uh, and thanks for everyone for uh, jumping on the downline and listening to this episode.